Welcome, welcome. Welcome. Joseph, you need a bit? Uh, I do, I do. All right, here you go. Here you go, my little friend. Thank you, my big friend. I love you. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, it's okay, I have it too. I have something I want to talk about. What do you want to talk and about? I remember emailing this out saying, we have to talk about this article. Because, like I said, oh, I think I said, count how, how many ways this article is wrong. <laughs> yeah, and this is... It, Let's just let's say we're going to talk about an article that was published about a sexual assault case, and it's good that I have alcohol to calm me down. <laughs> and I'm so open to hear all of this and have an open mind as a criminal defense lawyer from Newberger and Partners, Christopher, my partner. Go ahead. So, un unsurprisingly, it's published by the CBC. Um, <laughs> Cheap shot. Good shot. Well, you know, they can take it. They get a lot of government money. Um. <laughs> yeah, they do. And we can't tell fact from fiction, so let's go. I know, I know. But there's some interesting stuff that comes up in here in the way that um, sexual assault uh, accusations are reported by the media and the language that's being used and the effect it has on the accused person's life um, absent an actual fair trial, right? So that's the case with this. And there's a little bit of technical stuff we'll have to explain about uh, and what go a Jordan through it slowly application so everybody is. understands. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go slow. I have highlighted So what is this? It's an page. article from CBC. So it's an article from CBC called uh, This Ontario Student Waited Years for Justice. Now the accused in her sex assault case won't face trial. So um, I had highlighted the word justice because it implies that um, somebody not um, being convicted is a, an absence of justice in some way. And... You know, it's not a strong point just on the headline. I don't have a huge problem with the headline, but but it there is a big concern for me as to how we talk about what justice really is mm -hmm. when somebody's been accused and potentially falsely accused, and then there's a complainant, and this whole balancing of whose voice is more important. And we have talked before about my truth, right, versus whether or not there's actually an ability to establish facts and, and truths. So that's what the article's called. And interestingly, they do use the word alleged, right? And they, they point out that somebody who's just accused. Um, but interestingly, they say that she was not able to speak to the CBC earlier because there was a publication ban on her name. What? Right. You, you look confused. Yeah. <laughs> Explain why that's confusing. Uh, well, because uh, you can talk about a your own case and you can talk about a case you just can't um reveal the identity or the details but of why the, well in order not to affect the fair trial um as a result of the publicity for the accused uh, and presumably the complainant but there's only a publication ban on her name if she consents to it a person can lift the publication ban on their name at the very beginning. They can say that they don't want the pub ban. Well, that's they can a, lift it after the trial. They can lift it anytime they want to. Yeah, but that's... The complainant a, can. Well, that's a little complicated because if only for the following reason. Uh, obviously, the Crown just does it out of, you know, right off the bat. No, not in this case. Well, look at the Gameshi case. We had Lucy de Cater, who... Um, already at the very beginning said she did not want a publication ban spoke right. publicly then there were two had pub yeah. bans on them one linda redgrave lifted the pub ban after trial and then the third one can't be named 
And we have emerging now yeah. a better understanding of whether these bans should be in place and to take into consideration the complainant's version. But that's not the if point. If she wanted yeah, to speak is... to the media, she could you're telling me that wanted. nobody at the CBC could have explained to her how to have the pub ban? Oh, of course. Well, of course she they could have. Yeah. Absolutely. She could speak and out against have the publication ban her. and nothing would happen to her. But there's so much more juice in that article. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. But... Like that, that is misinformation and, and they must know it to be true because CBC covers a lot of trials. Okay. Well, let's not slog them. Uh, okay. okay. Let's get to the, the meat. I'm just pointing out that this is not like a small little, you know, right. media company who yeah. wouldn't be able to inform somebody who wants to tell them their story, how to right. go about telling their story. <clears throat> so fact interestingly in this, how do we tell fact from fiction? <laughs> interestingly in this, um, instead of going after these horrible defense lawyers, you know, cause we're, we're such evil people. Uh, she's actually going after the Crown Attorney. Uh, it says, Crane accuses the original Crown Attorney, who we're not going to name, of bungling, but it's named in the CBC, of bungling the file and believes it ultimately led to her case being thrown out after the accused filed a Jordan application. So let's just explain briefly what a Jordan application is. Okay, uh, well, um, typically applications, uh, the nomenclature is they get named after famous decisions or important decisions, I should say. So uh, under Section um, 11B of the Charter, you have a right to be tried within a reasonable delay. If it takes too long to get to trial, uh, an accused can apply for the case to be stayed if there's a finding that yeah, their rights were violated. So, What's the time period now? Uh, well, under the Jordan decision by the Supreme Court of Canada, Regina versus Jordan. <laughs> Regina versus Jordan. Um, it's eighteen. It's there's a they established presumptive ceilings. So for a case that's in the Ontario Court of Justice to go straight from the uh, that goes straight to trial, yeah. it's eighteen months. And for those that go uh, through a preliminary inquiry and then up to Superior Court, it's 30 months. Prior to then, prior to the Jordan decision, uh, it was kind of wishy-washy all over the, you know, depending on the judge, depending on the issues and things of that nature. And so, whereas we don't, you know, typically in Canada, of course, we don't have hard and fast rules. The Supreme Court came out with kind of a hard and fast rule saying there's a presumptive ceiling, 18 months and 30 months. Uh, that doesn't mean that if it takes more than 18 months, you know, the cases get thrown out. It means that there should be an investigation and the Crown has to justify uh, why it is that it took longer than 18 months. <clears throat> and... Um, so they simplified the process because um, it's from arrest as opposed to when they lay the information, all sorts of details that used to be litigated back in the old days before Jordan. So that's... So we've actually had a number of clients who misunderstand how these time limits uh, will affect them. They have asked us, can it be thrown out because it's, you know, I was charged more than this number of months ago. And the thing is, you can't just as an accused person keep delaying... The Correct. Trial? Yeah, Correct. if it's to, your delay, it's not going to count. They, right. It's it's pure institutional or ground delay. Exactly. So, uh, the time that's used for you know, if you muck around trying to get a lawyer before getting the disclosure, things of that nature, that gets 
uh, deduced from the overall delay. It's got to be entirely basically the amount of time the Crown gets to actually provide you with disclosure, meaningful disclosure for you to review, decide what you're going to do, and then set the matter down for trial. If you delay things for, you know, two years, three years, you don't get to benefit from that. Well done. So in this case, there is delay. Yes. We don't have to debate what was cause of the delay, but ultimately... There was a finding. There was a finding that there was delay. To the crown and the, the system. To the crown and the system that breached the client, that they breached the accused rights and the charge was stayed. So it was stopped. Doesn't mean it's uh, decided on merits. The case is ended. The person is presumed innocent under the law. So done. Now the complaint is as follows, which is really important for our discussion. Yeah. Um, I will give the CBC credit that they did talk to the defense lawyer and uh, said that her client was never convicted and lived under a cloud of suspicion for over 38 months. His charter right to be tried within a reasonable time was violated. 38 months. And long we time. remain pleased That's a long time. that yeah. the court's decision of entering a stay of proceedings. So um, they do, uh, the importance there is the little reminder that the accused is actually a human being and oh, they have yeah. rights too. Yeah, yeah, so. they are, yeah. And they're subject to bail they're conditions. Yeah. Um, and their life's turned upside down. Absolutely. Now here's an interesting... Maybe irreparably. Here's an interesting point from this this individual who's you know decided to speak out and name herself or whatever. Um, she says, they, they write, I always regret not getting out there, uh, said this individual who said she was a virgin at the time. I've highlighted this because we are not allowed to talk about people being sexually experienced in most trials. Right. For the purpose of claiming that they would or wouldn't consent. Because it's what not What is relevant. the value of putting that she was a virgin at the time in this article? Salacious. It's, it, it's just, it's just journalism at its worst. Well, it's not just journalism. The Crown is allowed to bring up virginity for a specific purpose. Right, but we can challenge it a bit. But when you got it in a media like this, yeah, takes on a whole other, whole but other. The case law on it is they allow the they allow it to get into evidence if somebody's a virgin when the crown wants to to bring it in, under the guise of it being a physical state that will affect, you know, the the facts on the ground of her experience of of yeah. the the sexual encounter. But what I've seen is that. They pretend that's why they're bringing it in, but they're always bringing it in to say a virgin is less likely to consent. Yeah, so let's stop for a moment so people understand. As a, as a defense lawyer, we're not allowed to elicit evidence or cross-examine on that issue in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Understand that. But the Crown can bring it in and use a covered motive that a person who is inexperienced or a virgin would never consent so that's a stereotype about sexual behavior mm-hmm. so they, they can get the crown can get away with something lose it. <laughs> the crown can get away with something that we are not allowed to even advance that's the imbalance in the system but this article gets even worse yeah so um interestingly they they say that uh she didn't tell anybody about what happened to her that, that night at first, but when she returned to school and walked around campus, she felt dirty, right? So um, beyond that, 
she also doesn't make a report until she finds out that other people have accused him. And yet the CBC says that none of these complainants are connected. So how is she hearing about these other complaints and how did that affect her decision Twitter. to rethink what happened to her or potentially? How do we know? And uh, a lot of the stuff to do with motive and when and how somebody decides to report when we try to address that in trial is called a rape myth. Absolutely correct. Yeah. And yet the, these details apparently are important to the CBC. Right. And, and, and God forbid an accused. God forbid, after this day, he would speak out and give an opinion or a press release. A, nobody would show up. Nobody would nobody publish would report it. it. Yeah. And he'd be vilified. Correct. Yeah. Cancel culture. And there's no trial. If so you're we, accused, never you're guilty. investigated the collusion factor. Yeah. If you're accused, you're guilty. That is the presumption in this society now. Especially when you get more than one accuser. And we have social media so people connect. And clearly all of these people heard about the other allegations. True. They say, actually, uh, eventually this woman dropped out of school and returned to live with their parents. Uh, six months after, I'm leaving out locations and stuff. Please. Um, six months after she returned home, she learned her alleged attacker had been charged with two counts of sexual assault. So how is she learning about this from so far away? Well, likely that's poetic license and not true. I immediately felt sick, said Crane, and I gave my statement the next chance I could. Now, motive is actually quite important in sexual assault trials in terms of why somebody decided to report, like I said, and, and when they chose to report. The when part is always difficult for defense to address because we are always accused. But we're of, handcuffed. Yeah. We're handcuffed because addressing when is a myth. You can, you can when whenever. You can when whenever, whenever. 26 years ago, 34 years ago, eight years ago, whenever. There's 80-year-olds on trial. I, 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 I did have a case uh, where she made a complaint. Uh, I think it was about 45 minutes after being served with divorce papers. Oh, we've all had those. 45 minutes after we've being got one, describes half our practice. We've got one like 45 minutes after being served uh, a small claims court lawsuit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that poor is going to trial. I know. Yeah. The defense in a small claims case was I was sexually assaulted, so I don't owe him the money. Like, that's f***ing crazy. I said, oh, my God. It just... Uh. Anyway, getting back to the article. And the... See why I need scotch? But uh, Honestly, just... honey... In technical language, it's called the doctrine of recent complaint. It's called is the, the name. It should of that be the doctrine there. of bullshit. Complaint. No, I've seen a case where the a guy was acquitted because the judge had serious concerns about the timing of the report because he was about to apply for sole custody. Right. Of yeah, a child. yeah, that's a typical example. Yeah. Yeah, and then the complainant returned for a second thing and said, "We're afraid we're not going to get the results that we're looking for, so I've come to give another statement." And we have that all the time. Yeah. yeah. And so the judge was concerned about the timing and that statement, but that was recast on appeal. And the poor guy had his conviction, had his acquittal overturned, had to go back to retrial and got convicted. Well, his case was all over the media because and people were demanding justice. Because the system doesn't give a f about men. Yeah. I'm sorry. If men want to have their children in a high conflict divorce, you're behind the eight ball. 
And if there's allegations raised against you, we have this all the time. So the wording used by in this article is, in total, there would be five separate unrelated complainants, even though apparently they've all heard about each other. <laughs> um, so then they say, uh, in this case, the Crown Attorney took a leave of absence and the file was passed on to a second and then a third lawyer. Um, it's not uncommon for Crown to be reassigned. No, it's not. It's not that hard to pick up a file. I don't think this is the fault of the Crown. You know, the reality is the, the system is the system that it is. Um, there are restraints. There are financing issues. It's, it's whatever it is for the Crown's office. They didn't f*** it up. We have pressures. They have pressures. No. Uh, ruled in favor of the accused and said, although Crane's case was before the courts during the COVID-19 pandemic, it was not the primary, primary reason for the delays. Instead, the judge largely blamed the Crown for not filing certain applications on time and said the Crown did not meet the court-ordered timelines. If it's the case I'm thinking of, they're saying not filing certain applications. I believe it was a disclosure issue. Could be. We don't really know. I, I'm more interested in the language used for the complainant about this and the presumption. But you know, I don't want to place blame on anybody. Everybody's under pressure here in this system, especially during COVID. But it's it's the language at the end of that article that drives you and I and oh, Chris I know, nuts. I know. But just disclosure, though. Let's explain what disclosure is and the importance of disclosure and missing disclosure. Because you had an interesting story earlier. Well, uh, today we were talking about disclosure is the evidence that the state has against the accused. You know, it can consist from officer notes, uh, witness interviews, complainants interviews, uh, medical evidence, uh, all sorts of things of that nature. An accused is entitled <clears throat> to a substantial amount of disclosure at the beginning of the case before they're required to make a decision as to how they're going to deal with this. This is, uh, you know, going back to 1989, the decision by Supreme Court of Canada called Stinchco. Which in the States would be called the Brady. Right, violation. it's just yeah. basic elementary aspect, which is get the accused, the, you know, evidence against them so that the person can decide what they're going to do. Are they going to plead guilty? Are they going to fight? What evidence do they wish to marshal? How long is it going to take? So on and so forth. So, you know, step one, get disclosure. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, you know, you have unresponsive officers. I've had example after example in which Crown, you know, I say, look, we're missing this one report or this one officer. I don't know what this witness has said or X, Y, and Z. Uh, well, I, I waited in one case for, for nine months or 12 months from post-arrest right. for the complaint statement. Right, and, and the Crown will say, I've sent 42 requests, and this officer's not responding. I don't know what else to tell you. We had to go to trial in a case where they lost the complainant's audio. Well, we actually have an application uh, yeah. in that one matter that includes disclosure application in because the Superior Court yeah. because the Crown will not actually respond to. And has never responded over the last year. Has never responded. So we have we've a case, just said, fine. We have a case right now where Let they, a judge sort it out. We've got a video of a complainant being shown videos of people. You know, that's that's, that's the case. Yeah, that's do you know it, this person who did not know them? We yeah, don't they, even know what video she's being shown, whether no, it's our and, guy and or they're not else. responding. We don't know where it is. Look, it, I just want like, to be clear. Disclosure is not something 
like you know just like oh paperwork you know what i mean like these no, are it's, important it's crucial. things <laughs> and in the vast in the, so disclosure is the case it's what the prosecution has to disclose to defense police officers notes complaints statements all uh, other evidence and the accused is entitled to it and it doesn't always happen in a timely fashion most of the time we get everything within four to six months but there are cases like this one we're talking about where we're just not getting it at all. And sometimes we're stonewalled, and that's a problem. But here's, here's what's, what's really interesting. You know, pe most people don't, usually when, if they're first-time offenders, or, you know, alleged offenders, and you say, okay, well, it's going to take uh, anywhere between 12 to 18 months before your case is heard. They don't understand. They're like, what do you mean? How is it possible that I have to wait 18 months to defend myself against these allegations? And what's funny is before Jordan, yeah. it, you know, it used to be uh, it, it was 8 to 12 months was the acceptable delay under uh, the Moray uh, guidelines, uh, which was a Supreme Court of Canada decision a thousand years ago, um, Askoff and Moray determining what is legitimate delay <clears throat> and as time went on at the time that that case occurred they had statistics on how long cases took to go through the system and the Supreme Court said you know what it is not enough for the government to say we've got limited resources and you know what can I say if it takes long it takes long you just gotta wait they said no you know, we have a charter. It specifically says, you know, and it's justice denied, not just for the accused, also the complainant and the community, right? The longer case takes, the longer it is, the less uh, the public will have in terms of uh, respect for, you know, and faith in the judicial system. And the, the irony was when Jordan came around, <coughs> nobody was arguing for hard and fast rules and uh, the Supreme Court just in oral argument kind of threw this out neither the Crown nor the defense was saying this is what it should be but over the time there had been a number of judges saying look the government has known since 89 that it should be 12 you know 10 to 8 uh, 10 to 12 months and, and they should be putting more resources in the Crown's office and the courts and so on and so forth and really, you know, it should be closer to eight months or six months from when a person is ready to set a matter down for trial that they should be able to bloody well have their matter heard. This is ridiculous for simple matters. We're not talking about complex frauds and so on and so forth. And then the Supreme Court of Canada comes around and says, all right, so one, we're going to introduce hard and fast rules, which nobody asked for. And two, we're going to actually increase it uh, one and a half times from what it was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, it was a year, 10 months to a year. And so instead of saying to the government, bloody well pay up, put money and resources if you think it's serious, okay? And, you know, if you really want matters to proceed, if you really take... Hi, Ben. I'm doing the podcast. I'll call you back. <laughs> You're on, your, your voice is on camera right now. Say hi. Hey, guys. Uh, that's too... too hey, I love you. Bye, Ben. 
right? If, if you take complainants seriously, if you take the public seriously and the community seriously, put money into the system and get it moving. And the Supreme Court of Canada actually says, you know what? Why don't you sit on your thumbs? Uh, we'll give you a bit more time. And really, now... I have to now, say something. I have to say something about... Talk about the complexity now of cases. Talk about sexual assault cases now because of our well, federal this government. this is connected. So right now, I'm the so system... But I'm moving. talking about the most simple Am I cases. here in this e podcast? I haven't e said anything. Even, even, even a basic... Even a basic... Theft under a a a, a um, what do you uh, you know a shoplifting case? A uh, no, a shoplifting case now. Say that in French. <laughs> say say shoplifting uh, in French. Uh, vol, uh, vol au, uh, oh jeez, I can't think now. It's Scotch. Uh, Scotch is Scotch. <laughs> My second language is losing. Um, now it's just assumed oh well so long as it gets you know you get yeah, to yeah. court but before 18 months you know 17 months and you know 30 days it's fine whereas before they would have said what the heck are you doing why is it taking so long let's look at resources though we know the system isn't functioning fast enough you just talked about how it needs an My injection God. of money we have a healthcare where's the money system going not where's the money going the money is now going to complainants getting lawyers oh, for standing. Geez. Yeah, that's the other And issue. legal aid is being cut off for, for the two people. Right. Legislative changes has resulted in real al allocation of money. Yeah. We've made it more complex with the Bill C-51 and this bullshit Which application we have to shortly. do with all the uh, prior sexual history evidence and records and all that other bullshit. Which Recent decision it. says when you now have to build extra time and, and court dates and material. Oh, so it's now into every sexual assault case. Every sex assault case. Because if anybody thinks, anybody thinks who's charged with a sexual assault case, it's simple. It's not. They're all complex. And you want to defend it? You got hurdles. There's a lot to do. It's a complex case. And thank you to the government. Yeah. And yeah. the recent decision actually says, like, you used to be able to, Defense and Crown used to be able to talk about how you're going to present their case, their case and how you're going to defend it. And it's like, have an agreed statement of facts or have an agreement between you that it's certain things happen. are okay. No longer no. possible. That's what this decision is saying, is that we can't actually expedite these things and these issues and have agreements because the judge is the gatekeeper. And so if it's determined later that certain questions shouldn't have been asked, then there's a whole new trial. So now a guy has to go through a trial, and then if he gets acquitted, potentially have to go back to a retrial, has to pay for the appeal, has to pay for the new trial. No. Okay, just finish that article for a moment, and I want to go to another topic for a second. Okay, we'll get, to, we'll get to the ending in a moment. I just want to point out that um, when they asked the government for comment, because the, it was the prosecutor being uh, yeah. criticized, um, the email from the government said the department has also been working with other other federal partners on a national action plan to address gender-based violence. And I just want to say that concerns me because how do when do we find out about these action plans and these all these different changes that are going to be like right because this, this is all late. geared towards trying to get people who are charged with sexual assault or gender-based violence found guilty as fast as possible without due process. That's the reality. They want to do away with the trial. It's not a f***ing joke. It's real. They don't want due process. If you're accused, you're presumptively guilty, and we should not have a trial. That's the reality. Yeah, and that's the way the media presents these things when they're um, doing stories based on complainants. So 
without naming this particular individual, an, act, an activist who they spoke to for quotes at the end of the article. Oh, f*** me. Acute, oh, f*** yeah. <laughs> For survivors, the court experience is re-traumatizing. Oh, I'm sorry. You want to send someone to jail? You're going to have to talk about... Uh, no, you know... just f*** me. <laughs> For survivors, the court experience is re-traumatizing. They're trying to poke holes in your story. They're trying to make you doubt yourself. That's how sexual assault trials play out. Oh. I guess every sexual assault allegation is true. Is true. Yeah, obviously. You should hashtag believe women. But also... Please, this, just... This... I've been so f***ing quiet. Okay. Okay, please. The stage is yours. Get this, people. Get this, okay? A sexual assault trial re-traumatizes the victim. Is that where you want to be? You traumatize the victim, Joseph, yes. because you ask them questions. It's due process. It's a trial process for every single fucking case we have. Murder, robbery, theft, fraud. Forcible what? confinement. Forcible confinement. Sexual assault, we should have something completely different. Look, it's a trial process. It does not help complainants to force them to go to trial, prosecutors to go to trial on cases that are really weak. It doesn't help them. It's just embarrassing. Actually, I have a, a uh, the Crown just advised me on a matter <clears throat> where it's clear the Crown has spoken to the complainant and tried to say, do you really, you know, this case is really quite, uh, there's really no reasonable prospect of conviction. Um, uh, but you know, ma'am, it's your decision. And she says, yeah, I want to proceed. So we're going to try, even though the crown looks at the evidence objectively and says, I'm sorry. Uh, there's more going on here with this particular complainant, uh, on a mental health level likely uh but she says she wants to proceed so we're going to proceed and we don't blame the crown attorneys in these no cases they're totally they're in, in all these cases we're talking about yeah. actually we have a lot of admiration absolutely for the crown attorneys because their hands are tied yeah, by the government policy by our feminist prime minister Fuck you for this policy Fuck you for mandatory charging mandatory prosecution crown attorneys and police officers need greater discretion you government they need discretion to at least ask ask appropriate questions oh for, an for god's sakes do a proper photos. investigation yeah. but the reality is when we construct a cross-examination and really dig down on a majority of our cases it's disgusting when we get down to it the f***ing lie we had a case f*** it i'm gonna say it falsified a marriage certificate to try and get access to property of her common law spouse it's falsified. And we still went to trial. And it's still in the face of the obvious. And they're denying it. But we're still going forward. He's going to get acquitted. But it's bullshit. I know. And that's what's going on. And nobody gets it. And when clients come to us, they're like, how can this happen to me? Nobody pays attention to our government. It's been so yeah. many months. How come you haven't... <laughs> I have, a, I have a watch. Dude, by the why can't you get this withdrawn on the first date? Can't we just go to the Crown Attorney and say they're lying? No, we can't. Pay attention to Justin Trudeau, Doug Ford, and our government 
who has mandatory policies on these cases. Pay attention. And this is when I talk about the truth and we talk about who can you believe, who can you trust. It's ridiculous. I love your passion, Joseph. You have a great newsletter there. Well, we wrote a newsletter. This is a newsletter uh, which is published pretty much bi-monthly now. Bi-monthly. Yeah. Um, is that every two months or is that twice a month? And I got to say, I do have fun designing headlines. The, the first article, the main feature is Honest but Mistaken Belief in Jury Instructions. And I, I think that's a very clever title. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it actually sounds it's like a leading newsletter you shouldn't give jury instructions. <laughs> Authored by us. But it's, oh my it's God, Huber and Partners LLP. My brain. Honest, that, this was a good, you did a good title there. Props. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I do amuse myself. <laughs> this is, we're going to end on this. Okay, I promise. We're going to end on But this is really important. This, this, reading this case almost broke my brain because um, it is a very complicated issue. This, this case that, um, that I'm writing, well, that we're writing about in this has to do with honest but mistaken belief in consent. And it's a very complicated defense to make. Oh, and I don't want to yes. get into trying to explain how it works because this decision actually makes it clear that not a lot of people even in the legal system understand how it works. Yeah. And <laughs> there's, um, there's this whole thing about does the defense that, okay, I accept she didn't consent, but I had an honest but mistaken belief that she consented, does it have an air of reality? Right. right? And so in this particular case, and the way the, the headline was, you know, the, the title was written that way is because it was about how to instruct a jury trying to deal with something so complicated that even judges, prosecutors, and defense lawyers couldn't have, agree on. Totally. Have difficulty understanding. So that was fun. But I think there's two articles in here that that really made me reflect on experiences that we've had with some of our cases. And um, I was kind of upset by this, the, the one, the second article, grounding the evidence. In, uh, in the facts of the case. And this is about these new applications that have to be yeah. brought. Under, because under of the Bill the legislation. C-51 legislation. Yeah, it's very important so, to understand this. So now any evidence in the possession of the accused, as opposed to crown, you know, evidence, evidence that they, yep. crown led evidence. Um, so say a complainant gives some text messages to the crown, but the uh, but the accused person has the whole you know record of the, the messages and they, they know what was left out. Yeah. yeah. In order for you to actually confront them on that, you have to bring an application saying, "I'd like to give a little context to the little snippet." Right. Then you have to do an application reveal to a complainant withstanding. <laughs> now, so they can argue against you. Um, and learn from it and, and develop their evidence. And learn from it and develop their evidence to counter your argument that they might not otherwise had the opportunity. But, and that's significant. But, but with the assistance of a lawyer. Yeah. She gets a lawyer, yeah. uh, the complainant. She or he. With she confidentiality. He, with a lawyer. In confidentiality. Yeah. That we can't pierce. That we can't pierce. And they get to discuss trial tactics in a, and how to, in how a criminal to, matter. How to... You know, cater. Really cater, how to manipulate, I like that word, deal with the evidence that the defense wants to cast in a certain way. Right. Which you don't have to do in a, you know, normal assault trial or, a, you know, extortion trial or anything like that. You can just show up and... No, it's only in sexual assault case law. That's the only area. So let's so finalize much, on that So how point. much do you have to reveal your defense strategy in advance of trial? 
that's kind of the issue of this. And this is a court of appeal in, in uh, British Columbia who was ruling on this case. So, so it's a fairly significant ruling from courts of appeal as opposed to just a lower court. Um, so he, this particular person ended up being convicted and said, I was denied access to um, certain lines of questioning that I, I, I think I should have been allowed. And the uh, court of appeal said that they actually saw that there could have been some relevance, but they denied the appeal because the, and I know this is getting a little bit technical for Let's a lot of people. Let's just say this way. The argument from the defense was not well articulated as to how it was relevant. Therefore, it was denied. And they didn't Even though the trial. Court of Appeals saw that it might have been relevant. Correct. Had it been argued differently or presented Correct. differently. Correct. The guy is now still convicted because the lawyer didn't frame don't say the lawyer just say no, the i don't defense. even know who the lawyer was yeah, just, uh, the lawyer the, the defense didn't actually craft and ground their argument properly to connect it to something that the complainant had said or right. whatever it's, it's a deficient application right so what's very important and the takeaway from this is and and again when because of the new legislation that justin trudeau and his then justice minister put in we have to articulate very carefully on these applications how the evidence is relevant and grounded in the evidence of the complainant. If that's not done properly, you're f***ed. And, and, and a lot of people don't know how to do that properly. Mm -hmm. And I'm not denigrating on anybody. It's just difficult because we're all new. learning right now yeah. and it's new. But you got to get it right the first time because on appeal, you're going down. It is so hard since a recent decision called GF. It is very, very hard to overturn convictions. It's very hard. Sexual assault cases. Yeah. No. So, yeah. again, in layman's terms, if you don't get it right the first time on appeal, you're not going to get. You're not going to get any uh, any sort of pass from the court of appeal. You're going to be. Your conviction will you remain, and that's it. So we got to be very careful about it. We've had. I'm not bragging. It's my podcast. F you. We've won them. Every single one. Yeah. Have we not? Yeah. Since the legislation, we haven't lost one. We've almost used the, our 276, 278 applications, the, the pretrial applications. We almost use those to substitute for a preliminary hearing now. We haven't lost one. Not one. <laughs> yeah. But that's because we spent the time. No, but we spent the time necessary to develop it and understand it. And it's painstaking. But everybody has to learn this because what you've got to understand is the government is against you. And they don't want you to defend yourself. And it's like you go back to that article, it's a presumption of guilt. All right, let's drink, well, to, let's yeah. drink to the solace this. Just as this. a quick point, one of the other articles in here is about a lawyer who, who didn't meet the minimum requirements of defending his client properly. Oh. I just think it's important that people understand that when they're charged, they can easily get convicted. Yes. And they need to take their liberty seriously. And they need right. to actually Absolutely. You know, think about the law. Tell the camera. They need to actually think about the loss of in in their life if they get convicted, and uh, and and just be really careful that they understand the seriousness of the charges against them. And they need to do their due diligence they, about yeah, their counsel. Yeah. Everybody needs to do their due diligence as to who they want to hire, yeah. if they have the experience, the expertise, and skill to marshal a defense for them in all aspects. And they have to understand, it's not a joke, yeah. it's real and it's serious. It's it not. It's not like buying a f***ing TV. Uh, uh, you know, I had a call yesterday discussing with the 
you know, spouse of a person charged with a very serious offense. And I, you know, spent a lot of time explaining how I would defend them and so on and so forth, but also said, here are the names. I'm happy to give you the names of five very good yeah. counsel. If you don't go with me, go with one of them. I am happy to give you the all I care about at the end of the day is somebody doesn't get railroaded and gets mm -hmm. a real defense. Pick a good lawyer. Mm -hmm. Pick somebody who knows what they're doing. And that's, you know, all you can hope for. Well, that, you're old school like me. Yeah. There are still a... Yeah. There are still a group of us left who understand what it is to defend and we're dedicated to the defense. So we say to people, oh, this is a great lawyer. That's a great lawyer. You're going to do well with them. We're happy for you to go anywhere you want because we're dedicated to defending people, not to the money, Correct. but to yeah. defending people. Yeah. And that's really why we're doing this. And that's why we're still here and not doing something else. That's why I want right. to talk about why I'm here, Joseph. Because when I'm reading about the minimum requirements, you know, what you, you know, you can just hope for the minimum. I'm here because you're passionate about your clients. You're passionate about winning. You're very competitive and hate losing. I hate being criticized in any way whatsoever. You saw me when my client was being cross-examined and I'm like pounding a desk and I'm going crazy. We're passionate about it, but we are as a team. We, 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 we're and all like is, this. That is why you're so good at what you do. We are. And we're a team. Too. Yeah. Bloody right. genius. Oh, right. yeah. We're all a uh, bloody genius. Oh, I gotta go back to my pinky pie. We're all a bloody geniuses. Thank you. Until next time, like, share, subscribe, do whatever the fuck you want with our videos. Thank you so much, and I'll bog it. And if you don't know what that accent reference is, then. Then you're lucky. It's from Birmingham, baby. All right, we're done. Cheers.